All right. Thank you, preacher. All right. What a blessing and a thrill and a joy it is to be in church tonight. I go to church a whole lot. About every, every week I'm somewhere in a meeting and I really appreciate and thank God that I get to do that. I'm not saying that because I am apologizing. I'm just saying that because here it is a Monday night, a holiday, the lakes are full of people and thank God the church is full of people here. Now this is a treat to me. I didn't think nobody would come so I brought two with me so that I'd have a crowd. You know, and I, I knew Brother Ken would come. I just felt like he would. I didn't know anything about his wife or boys. But I did I did know he'd show up. And I'm sure glad to see you and thankful that you're a part of the service tonight. I want you to take your Bible, if you will, please, and uh, turn it uh, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number uh, 62. Isaiah chapter 62. Are we, all right, we're, we're just fine. Thank you, brother. Uh, Isaiah 62, and uh, look at verse number 1. Uh, if you would stand with me while I read this, I'd appreciate it very much. I used to uh, ride by places like this before I was saved, and I would wonder why in the world would anybody give up a night to, to, to come into a building and talk about somebody they can't see and talk to somebody they don't really, uh, know personally. And, and why, why would people do that? Why? Uh, that's when I used to be riding by on the outside and, and, and then, and then God saved me so good I got on the inside. And now I'm looking on the outside saying, why in the world? Would them people want to do anything else but this? My, 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 my. I'm telling you what, it is a joy to get around the kind of singing and the testimony I just heard and to know that God is blessing the preacher's children and to know if there's anybody the devil wants to sift and to stir up and to destroy, if he can't get to the preacher, he'll try to get through the house and he'll try to mess with, and he'll try to destroy. But I sure am glad to know tonight that God is still faithful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, now shouting don't scare me. I get scared when you get quiet. <laughs> shouting don't bother me. Louder it gets, the better I like it. Ain't no problem at all. So you just go to church tonight with the Lord. We'll have a good time. Look at Isaiah 62, 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Verse 3, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Let me read verse 3 again, please. Thou shalt also be 
a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Father, we stand in thy presence tonight grateful that our names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. God, I'm one glad boy tonight over the fact that I can't go to hell. I sure am glad to know tonight my sin has been removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I'm glad tonight, Lord, I am fireproof. I'm glad, God, that I can say tonight without a doubt that I am a child of the King. I'm not a great Christian. I, 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 sometimes I come far from pleasing myself, much less you. But I sure am glad I'm a far cry from where I came from. And I ask you tonight to meet with us in old time power and glory. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And for Jesus' sake, amen. You can be seated. The Bible says in verse number 3, Thou shalt be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. I might add, in the hand of anybody else or in the hand of anything else. I promise you, your life is subject to failure. But if you'll place your life in the hand of God, I can tell you from first-hand experience that God is very good, gracious, and faithful to keep those that God puts in it. I like what Jesus said, don't you? In John chapter number 10, verses 28, 29, and 30, the Bible says that he has put us in his hand. And he said, no man, he said, my father is greater than all. And he said, no man shall be able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I mean, you might be in good hands with all state, but you're in better hands with Jesus. I sure am glad to know tonight that I have a powerful promise, and that is that I am in the hand of God. I read this one day. I asked myself, why did he say you'll be a crown of rejoicing? Why did he say uh, that uh, you will be a diadem in the hand of God. And then it hit me what he was saying. He's saying, I'm going to show you off as a trophy. That's what a royal diadem is. When God saves you, he places you in the hand of Christ. And I thought to myself, why in the world would God want to do that? And why did he say it so specific there in the book of Isaiah? Then I got to thinking about it. I said, Holy Ghost, tell me, why is it that you want us on display? Why is it that you want us out there where we can be seen? Why is it that you stick us out there so we can be observed? Well, he gave me three little old simple quick thoughts. Listen to them if you will. First of all, I am a crown of rejoicing and a royal diadem in the hand of God as a reminder to Satan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like it when God sticks me under the devil's nose, but he does. 
And you know why he does? Because he likes to rub me in here. Son, I promise you, when you came out of that nightclub, the devil was stomping his feet, mad as a wet hen, and, and, and he knew mama was going to get happy. He knew you was going to have a song to sing. And he knew, he knew, he knew he was losing what God had claimed. And tonight, you stood on that platform and gave God glory and people are rejoicing. I noticed a few tears in people's eyes. Mama got a shout in her soul. Daddy's sitting over there acting like a Presbyterian but want to act Pentecostal. Oh yeah, he don't fool me a lick. Amen. And, and God Almighty has placed you in it as a reminder to Satan. Do you think for a minute that the devil enjoys me now? But God does. Before I was saved, the devil would take my life, stick it in his hand, and he'd say, he's mine. I've got him. And the world looked at a drunkard. The world looked at a whoremonger. The world looked at a heathen and said, my God, what's wrong with that boy? Why is he throwing his life away? Why in the world would he just give his soul to wickedness? On the third Sunday night of September, 1968, in a little old Baptist church on the side of the road, an old boy full of the Holy Ghost was preaching. It'll be all right if I stand here a minute, won't it? An old boy was preaching the gospel. I heard it for the first time in my life. I mean, God invaded my soul. The Spirit of God began to tattoo a message on my heart. And all of a sudden, I found myself who, I mean, I mean, rooting like a pig in the altar. <laughs> And I went down a child of the devil, a vagabond, and a prince of sinners. And came up a child of the king. And I changed hands. I was a trophy then. I'm a trophy now. But I'm in different hands. I'm a liking this. If you ain't, I'll turn the lights off when we leave. Don't worry about it. I don't even know where they are. Aaron, help me. We'll find them. Yes, sir. And he and God said, you'll be a crown of rejoicing. You know, the Lord tonight is rejoicing over your life being sober. I'm making God so happy right now. It can't be explained. God is rejoicing. He said, I'll make you a crown of rejoicing. I'll make sinners look at you. I'll make heathen look at you. I mean, I'll make the whole world look at you and, t and tell what I've done to you. And they'll all say, do what? <laughs> and that's what God, religion don't do that. Baptismal certificates don't get that done. Joining up. Signing up and enrolling. Don't get that done. No, sir. What gets that done is a change of hands. 
You call all the songs music, but where you sing them makes a difference what they mean. And God begins to work in your life. Now, let me tell you something. God likes to say, well, he did this with Job, didn't he? The devil comes up before the Lord and griping and complaining about how he's a mad because he's second best. And, and, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I to be honest with you, I just assume God forget my name when the devil's around. How about you? I don't want him talking about, hey, have you seen Larry lately? Won't you give him about 40 chapters worth? If it'd be all right with y'all, I'll just stay about half carnal with y'all up here in Tennessee and let's let him talk about Job. But he said, if you considered my servant Job, what was God doing? He just taking Job's testimony, sticking it right in the devil's face and saying, how about it, bud? And do you know he's doing that with you? You say, my life isn't counting for anything. Oh, yes, it is. The devil's taking Advil while we're in this building over the fact that you have stopped some junk. And you've walked into the presence of God and started some jubilation. Yes, sir. And have you, think about this. Have you ever wondered why the devil hates us so bad? It ain't us. It's the one that handles us. See, he had us. I mean, Budweiser bunch and all. He had us token on a joint. He had us sitting on the hood of a car at Hardest thinking we was having a good time. He had every one of us out there acting like idiots. That's all we was. Talking about, man, I, hey, baby. I, I, yeah, uh-huh. And I can tell by looking at y'all, y'all don't need an interpretation of what I just done. You done fell under, you not sit on the front, you'll get under conviction. <laughs> and then God, God saves you, and now you have become not a pawn in the devil's hand, but an object of the devil's fury. Why? I, why? Well, you say he owned us, and that's true. By your first birth, you're kin to him. For Jesus told that crowd that was unsaved, you are of your father, the devil. We was all that way. And then when God saved us and transferred us into his hand, Satan got mad. Let me, let me, if I can, illustrate. Have you ever, uh, have you ever thought about the definition of his name, Lucifer? It means light bearer. It means son of the morning. It means light bearer. He had a job before pride stole it. Pride will kill about anything you got you love too. Pride stole the job that Satan had. What was his job? To illuminate the throne of God. Just like those lights are shining in this area, making it brighter than this area, Satan was in charge of the power plant. He radiated the illuminating glory for God's throne. Then all of a sudden, he liked 
where God was setting so good, Isaiah 14, he charged God five times and said on charges that he would be greater than the Most High, that he would, he would live uh, 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 in a relationship greater than, than God and that he would sit in God's place and five different times in Isaiah 14 he said he would be greater than God. I found it strange that in Ezekiel chapter 12 God answers with five uh, terminologies and five replies to Satan's Isaiah 14 he replies and said, I'll beat you down to the earth. I, before it's over, will be exalted above you and you'll be put down to nothing. And trust me, he will be before it's over. Satan hates God. The only way he can get to him is through God's people. And so he torments us. Have you ever thought about He was the light. Now, who is the light? Matthew 5, 16 says you are. Ye are the light of the world. We don't light a candle and set it on a hilltop and cover it up with a bushel. Oh no, a light set upon a hill cannot be hid. He said, so... uh, Help, help me with verse 16. How does it start out? It says, uh, so let your light so shine before, you are the light of the world, so let your light so shine that they may see your good works, that men may see your good works and glorify. Oh, there's a word. Glorify. That means to light up. Mm-hmm. That means to illuminate. That means exactly what the devil used to do, you do now. I got his job when he got fired. That's why he's upset. If you got a job, you're off today, but in the morning you'll go in. What if you went in and your pink slip was there and the boss said, you need to get all your stuff in a small pile quick because we've replaced you. <laughs> let's say the guy, well, let's just say the guy, the guy coming, uh, uh, the guy coming in looked a little bit like this. He, uh, he got his, his, his britches are hanging down to his ankles, looks like a troop of hippies moved out. Okay? He's got on a, <laughs> he, 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 here he is, you know, and he said, hey, blood, what's going down here? <laughs> you know, he, he, he ain't never been nowhere. Or, you know, it, it don't matter. Whichever way you want to fix it uh, and whichever culture you want to stick it to, they all out. And he comes in and he says, I'm looking for my new job. He walks in where you walked out and sits down and throws his old foot up on the desk and says, rock on, catch it later. Are you going to say, praise God, brother, I hope everything works out fine for you. I, I, I wish you, may the Lord, bless, oh God, God, bless him, help him, help him make more money than I did. 
I ain't even going to say what I think some of you men would say. Because it ain't even church wise. <laughs> the last thing, you might be saying God. But the next word to come out of your mouth would be kill it. Why? Because he took your job. Why does Satan hate you so bad? Because he got his pink slip. And you got hired. And to Satan, you bow as hip as that dude is. And God blesses you and sticks you right under the devil's nose and says, you had him, but I'm going to preach him to death now. For 34 years, I've been sitting in the hollow of God's hand, preaching God's word, shouting the victory over the fact that I've changed hands. Let me ask you something. Are you going through a real terrible time right now? Don't know why in the world. I mean, can't figure it out. Don't know what you're going to do next. And it's all because you're saved. Do you work in a place where nobody else is saved? And every time you bow your head to pray over your bologna sandwich, they say, Lord, there goes Holy Joe again. Over there in the corner, acting like he's something. Look at that. Let's just all pray with him. And you've been talked about, passed over for the promotion. Set aside because you won't drink at the party. It's all right. It ain't a thing in the world but the Savior telling the devil, ha, ha, ha. That's Greek for you had him, I got him. He said, you'll be a crown of rejoicing. A royal diadem in the hand of God. And you'll be a reminder to Satan. No wonder he's given us all we can handle. No wonder he's, he knows his days are short, but he knows yours is eternal. And he's doing everything. And we ought to come to church every time we can. We ought to fight for a front row seat. Bless God, get right under the spout where the honey is coming out. And we ought to nuzzle up real close and say, I'm in the hand of, boy, when I go out of here, he's going to give me all the hell I can handle. But while I'm in here, I'm going to get all the heaven I can possess. And I'm going to pack God's glory in my life. And I'm going to serve the Lord with blessing. Because if you don't do that, I promise you this. He'll beat you down and tear you in smithereens. Now, not only am I a reminder to, to Satan, I'm a reflection to sinners. Yes, sir, a reflection to sinners. So let your light so shine before men. God wants men to see what God can do with men. God wants... Uh, uh, the devil and sinners to see what he can do with women. I want to tell you something. That is as good a choir as anybody ever wants or needs to hear. If you get any better tomorrow night, I'll act like Rod Parsley before the weeks. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready. What can I sing with y'all? The gates of pearl. Keep.
keeping my reckon right. Watching day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. The devil is out in the front yard right now with a crowd of his hands and they're stomping around the bushes saying, that crowd I had is in there giving glory to the one I lost them to. And you know what really bothers him? We are a recruiter for the Redeemer to steal even more children that he owns. Why does the devil hate this church so much? And why does God... I heard about your offering last, last night. Lord, we won't even be able to eat all week. Y'all done gave all your money away. We ain't going to get a hamburger at a cheap place. Congratulations. Hey, God bless you. That's wonderful. God has got great things planned for people who have great vision and great thoughts and great intuition and a great God. I mean, out there in front of them and they're marching to the beat of the Holy Ghost. I promise you this. God will bust this place wide open. If you'll keep doing that, don't ask why. Don't sit around. Methodists do that. Baptists don't do that. Sorry, Methodists do anyway. And, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a royal diadem in the hand of God to let other sinners know you don't have to go to bed drunk. You don't have to take pills to get happy. You don't have to shoot nothing in your arms, snort stuff up your nose, and act like a juvenile idiot. Hey, hey, hey! Thank God tonight I want to tell you, there's peace. Un- I mean, peace, peace. Wonderful peace, undescribable peace in the will of God. I got, I got saved and I went by my daddy's house that night. My mama was scrambling eggs. My daddy's an old hard truck driver. Weighed about 265 pounds, burly, and, and I mean, on the weekends, he didn't do nothing from Friday to Sunday but play. Whatever he wanted to do, he done and it was just like most folks right here in Chattanooga tonight, play. That's all he done was play. Drank, I mean, carouse, fault, didn't matter. Just mean. I went over to the house. I mean, I'd been saved about an hour and a half. I got up off that altar and got out there in my 396 blue 1967 Marina Blue Chevelle SS 360 horse. Muncie four-speed blue bucket seats. Oh, I wish I had it back. <laughs> yes. I went out and got in my car and my wife got in. I said, I'm going by Mama's house. And tell her about tonight. My wife and I both got saved. We, been to, I've been to church four times in my life. This is the fifth trip. And the other four times wasn't but to play softball. And this time, old boy was preaching with his heart in it, preaching the house of fire, preaching God's word with power. I walked down and got to say, been saved about an hour, hour and a half. I went by my daddy's house. Mama's scrambling eggs for daddy, sitting over there at the table. Um, Diane and I walked in and I, I, I said, Mama, how y'all doing? She said, son, I'm fine. Are you hungry? I said, no, ma'am, I come tell you something. I said, uh, 
Diane, I went to church tonight. She said, that's good, son. You sure you don't want a biscuit? I said, uh, no, ma'am, I want you to stop stirring them eggs long enough to hear what I got to say. She said, well, just talk to me while I fix your daddy's supper. And she said, I, I told her, I said, well, mama, we went down. She stopped. She said, you went where? I said, I didn't know what happened. I just went down. I didn't know what to say. I mean, if you don't know, if you ain't been saved but an hour and a half, you're not going to be Charles Haddon Spurgeon. <laughs> I didn't know. I just knew I was hell bound back yonder and heaven bound down there. And I got it going down. She said, what do you mean? I said, I went down. Me and Diane, Diane said, we went down front and we prayed. And my mama said, what would you pray? And I said, we prayed the Lord would come into our life. My daddy overheard me. I started over there to where he was. And I said, daddy, he said, I heard what you said, boy. He said, you need to keep all that stuff to yourself. I had no idea that he was that far gone. I lived with him all my life. But you see, if all the light that a man hath is darkness, how great is that darkness? I hadn't been out of the light long enough to even know where the bulb was. I didn't even know how it burned. I couldn't even argue with him. He said, you keep that stuff to yourself. I'll never forget this. I said, Daddy, I'll try. But this, this, I think this is going to be a hard situation. Because I went back over there. I said, Mama, Daddy, don't want to hear it. I said, I'll just tell you. And I'll, to myself, I thought, I'll talk loud enough to where he will hear it. I said, that guy was talking about a man sitting up in a chariot. And he talked about reading from a book. And, and this, this, this man running along beside the chariot, reading that book. And the man up in the chariot stopped the chariot, asked the man with the book to get up in the chariot. And he told him, he said, how in the world can I know? About that. And the Bible says, and he, and, he, and he preached unto him Jesus. I said, that's about all I can tell you, mama. I went down front where there's preaching Jesus. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. I said, mama, have you ever, ever known or heard of anybody else doing that? Not a Christian in my family anywhere. She said, son, I don't rightly know what you're talking about. Are you hungry? I saw right quick. They didn't know. Sixty days later, God called me to preach. I went to church every day. You see, when you've been born and bred and fed in hell, you get good at it by living in it. When God brings you out, you can't just teacup and toast God. You got to get as deep in grace as you got in hell. Or you ain't going to be no better off than you was in hell. You'll just be more miserable because now you got the Holy Ghost to put up with. It's better to stay out of them joints and to sing for God with a clear conscience that it is to sing in the joints with a pocket full of money and you're knowing that you're breaking the heart 
of the one that brought you in the world. I need a witness. Amen. That means that's black down at the house for amen. Come on, help. And I had my 60 days later, God called me to preach. I'd been going back and forth over to the house. My daddy would go in the bedroom, shut the door. I'd get mama in the hallway right outside the door. I said, mama, you wouldn't believe what went on at church tonight. You'd hear fans turning on and radios turning up. And I said, you wouldn't believe what God's doing in my life. My daddy would throw that door open and cuss me. I mean, get right up in my face. He never could hit me because God wouldn't let him. But he got right up in my face and he would damn everything about my commitment. And I stood there and I would tell him, you will not go to hell and I'll see to it. God will give you, before it's over, he will give you the Spirit of God and full pardon of forgiveness. And he'd back up and he'd get in that room and slam the door and I'd continue to preach. My mother got under conviction one day and ran in the bathroom and locked the door. And my wife had the Bible and, and she locked the door. My wife stood outside the bathroom door and gave her the Roman road. She said, Gene, you can't live in there. You got to come out. And she said, when you do, I'm going to be standing right here with this Bible. And I promise you that God is a friend that sticks closer than a book. That old doorknob opened. Mama was standing there with tears in her eyes. And the bathtub became a mourner's bench. My mother fell down under Holy Ghost conviction and God picked her out of the hand of Satan and put her in the hand of God. She's at home right now, 76 and a half years old, praying right now for me. My daddy was hard. Now he cussed her. She smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and never smoked another one past that bathtub. You say, does that happen to everybody? No. But did it happen to her? Yes. You know why? Because God was after daddy. She, he said, Gene, you want me to pick you up some cigarettes? No. I don't need them anymore. How come? She said, Jesus took them. <laughs> My daddy, a blue streak, he cussed. Now my mother would tell him, Larry said, you're not going to hell. I'm praying, he's praying, and everybody we know is praying. My daddy, for a year and a half, got worse. One night I was preaching in Savannah, Georgia, sophomore in college. I was preaching during the Vietnam War, preaching at a little old place out in the country. I had them old, them old shutters that open up and the bees fly in and the walls sting you and the squirrels climb in the attic and, and, and you can look out the yard and see the graveyard. And I was, I was in there just a preaching and I lived in Tacoma and going to college and through the back door walked my mama. And she came in and sat on the back pew. 
And lo and behold, right behind her was that old red-faced drunk daddy of mine. He'd been in church twice. His, his mama's funeral and tonight that I'm about to preach to him. When I saw him, I was sitting on the platform and my antenna went straight up to God. All of a sudden, I said, tonight God is the night. I got up, preached everything I knew, several things God didn't even know, and I've done what I could to preach the word. I stepped out at the end of that message in the altar. I said, God will take you just like you are. He'll bring you to where he wants you. He'll save you. He'll take you tonight. If you'll come, he'll take you just like you are. My daddy stepped out in the aisle, about three pews from the back, big old tears running down his face. I said, come to Jesus. And he stepped back in the pew. Grabbed hold, the blood run back out of his hands like it was pumped out. I kept on. The devil said, you'll never get him back in church and you'll never have it. He's mine. I said, you said that about me and you lied then too. And I found out what the Bible said about him. He can't tell the truth. I stood on that, called him a liar and went after my daddy's soul. Went out to the, to the car and Daddy was standing on the front porch out there by himself. Him and Mama waiting on me to come out. I went straight up to him. I grabbed him by the hand. I hugged his neck. I said, Daddy, I want to thank you for coming to hear me preach. He never said a word. Never cussed me again. He never said another word negative. He couldn't do anything. He was hog-tied by the Holy Ghost. God had dealt with it. He's standing. I took him by the neck, pulled him to me. I said, Daddy, I mean it. You didn't do it tonight but you will soon. You're God's property. God's going to save you. You're going to heaven. Do you understand what I'm telling you? He just stood there with his head down. I went back to Tekoa that night from Savannah. My daddy went back to Augusta. The next day I went to work and I prayed, oh God, the devil's a liar. Oh God, thou art God able to save to the uttermost and I said if he gets saved it'll be you not him I went home that evening my wife was cooking supper my phone rang and I picked it up and I said hello you ain't gonna believe it you ain't gonna believe it it was my mama I said mama what I ain't gonna believe you ain't gonna believe it I said would you I thought God called her to preach I said I'm just kidding. He, it's all right. You ain't gonna believe it. I said, tell me, mama. She said, I was sitting here, was eating pinto beans and cornbread and drinking sweet milk and eating onions. She said, your daddy looked up at me, throwed his fork in the floor and said, how can I have what that boy's got? I said, Mama, what'd you tell him? I had given her a little old Bill Bright Campus Crusade Four Spiritual Laws book. That's all I knew about sewing. That and claiming a promise. She took them little old Four Spiritual Laws and read it in the soup bean behind a cake of cornbread. She said, it says here, 
we're sinners, Richard. You know you are? He said, yeah. Says here that you go to hell if you die like you are. You don't know. It says here, Jesus paid it all for you. He said, I know he did because that boy straightened up like he did and you done quit what you quit. He says here, if you'll ask him. Right down here in the bottom, right here in the bottom it said, if you ask him, he'll save you. He said, I don't know how to ask him. She said, I did it once. I can help you. <laughs> I said, Mama, what did he tell you? He said, about, she said, he bowed his head right in the beans. And said, God, I'm a sinner. Give me what Larry's got. Give me what Gene's got. I got a brother two, young, two years younger than I. That's also in the ministry. She said, he said, he'd gotten saved under my preacher. He said, give me what Mike's got. I'm sorry, Lord. But right there, through the soup beans and a cake of cornbread. The Holy Ghost. I mean the devil. Stomping and mad. And a child of the devil became a child of the king. I said, I said, Mama, put Daddy on the phone. Daddy come on the phone. He said, Hello. Old cussing, drunkard, truck driver, meaner than hell, mad as a devil. Hello. Ain't God good, church? Hello. I said, Daddy, I told you, heaven, not hell. He said, thank you, son. I said, I'll see you in a little while. This is 6 o'clock Monday. I, I've been home all weekend preaching. I'll see you in a little while. What you going to? Coming home. I got in my car and headed to Augusta. Stayed up all night. My daddy Drove truck during during the night time, and uh, slept during the daytime at that particular time. And he called him and told him he couldn't go to work. So my boy's coming home. We sit up all night long. Him thanking me that I didn't give in and give out, and he lived for eleven years. Until he died on a Sunday morning, 20 minutes after 11. During Sunday school hour, I went to the Talmadge Hospital. My daddy was in a, in a bed on the sixth floor. My mother and other brother was there. And I went up there and the last person he talked to was me for about two minutes. He went into a coma, died about an hour later. I'll never forget this as long as I live. That two-minute conversation around that bed. When my daddy raised up on his elbows, looked at me, he said, I'm fixing to meet the God you preached to me. He said, I know they've told me. I hadn't got but a little while and I know it. He said, if you had not been 
who you are. I'd be going to hell in 20 minutes. He said, but because you stayed true to God, son, I'm fixing to meet the, meet the Prince of Peace. He laid back on the pillar. He said, thank you, son. And I love you. Take care of your mama. And I'll see you. And he was gone. He never spoke another word. His heart beat for about an hour. I went on to church and preached. He died while I was preaching. And somewhere tonight, over the banister railing of heaven, he's standing there saying, True! True! True. And you wonder why the devil don't like us. We're recruiters. We're ambassadors. We're children of the king. Let him do what he wants. He can't do nothing without permission. And I am a reflection to serve. Be a reflection in this city. If you got a daddy lost, go home and look straight at him and tell him you ain't going to hell. And then you find you a brush harbor somewhere and don't you quit. I mean jerk God's glory out of heaven on him. And God will save him. Everybody in my household, every one of them, is going to heaven. I don't have a lost family member and not one of them was saved when God put me in his hand. You say, why? Because you're such a great representative. Oh no, I just would not quit. And you don't have to either. What was the first one? I'm a reminder to Satan. He looks at me and wants to spit right in my face. He hates me. And I'm glad. Because when he loved me, I was sad. Then I'm a reflection to sinner. Thousands of people are going to be in heaven because that man preaches. This brother preaches the gospel. Thousands of people are going to run and hug me when I go in to meet him. And one of them is going to be my own daddy. For 11 years, he went everywhere with me. He retired about four or five months before he got saved. He went with me everywhere. He would sit on the front row and if anybody was there, he'd ask him to move. He'd say, that's my boy preaching. I'd like to hear every word if I could. Can I sit with you, please? And he'd sit there in big old tear. He'd soak the carpet around his feet. And he was glad when Jesus got him. And then, lastly, I'm a refreshment to saints. 
God put me in his hand so that I could be an encouragement to people fighting the battle. There are people in this audience tonight been going through it for weeks. You started to do something else today. But you came here tonight. Now you're glad you did. But when you came in, that old barbecue grill sure did look good when you walked by. And you thought, surely this is our only day off for another week. But you came. And you've soaked. I know when a crowd's with me and when they aren't. And you are. You've soaked encouragement. I don't care a baseball bat. If you're looking for somebody just to beat the hound out of you the next three nights, don't come because I ain't your man. If he don't know how to deal with that, y'all got problems. I'm a guest and I'm going to encourage you all I can to stand in there with him. I see a lot of gray hair in here. I see a lot of no hair too. It does you good as somebody been serving God 30, 40 years to see young folk coming behind you with a Bible. This young man's in the college, wants to give his life to do what God wants him to do. Chad McNeese comes out of a family of preachers from this area right here. His daddy, all his brothers are preachers. It does a heart good. To be refreshed in God. To see a young fellow pick up that Bible and say, I'll march for God. Tell you this story and I'll quit. Have you eat supper? I ain't either. So don't go nowhere until I see you after church. Last fellow I preached for run off and left me. Stay right there where you at. I was 25. I was pastoring, 26. I was pastoring an old Baptist church in about 16, 17 miles from where I am now. There was a time in my life when, when uh, I was a little bit different than I am now in that the words would come faster than I could say them and I didn't have nothing worth saying back then. No, I was just a novice and crazy on top of that. But just saved enough to believe God and he was merciful to me. It's about all young preachers' testimony. And I used to have a radio program. I thought everybody ought to be on the radio. Billy Graham was and Oliver B. Green was and Jerry Falwell was. And I thought, Lord, I need me a program. So I just jumped on radio and it's hard to go down there and they put you in a little old room and you ain't got nobody to preach to, so I just look at them little dots in the microphone and play like this people. And when I wanted a crowd, I just crossed my eyes. And there's that people everywhere. And that old boy on the other side of the, it was a country western station, and that old boy over there and across from that glass, I was behind, he'd just point at me and I'd start and he'd leave. And then he'd come back in and do that and I'd have to quit. I never did, but he'd cut me off and I'd finish. I'd be there an hour. 
Wasn't but a 10 minute program. I just preach up a store. I mean, I needed medical assistance when I quit. I just go after it, preaching the house. I was preaching one day and he cut me off and I started out. He said, hey, he said, some woman called, won't talk to you. Here's a number. I took it and went in there and sat down at the desk and called her. As a woman answered, hello. I said, yes, ma'am. My name's Larry Brown at the radio station. I was calling you back. She said, yes, sir, I heard you preaching. She said, are you really a Baptist? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm really a Baptist, through and through. She said, well, your preaching sounds a little bit different than most Baptists I ever heard. Do you preach around here anywhere? I said, yes, ma'am, cross the river North Augusta. She said, well, uh, can somebody come that ain't a Baptist? I said, the Baptists I got don't know why they're Baptists. You might as well come on too. <laughs> I mean, all us dummies will get together and worship. What do you say? She said, I hadn't got no ride. I said, where do you live? 1425 Walton Way. Well, I knew that was a high-rise apartment for seniors. She said, can somebody get me? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. I said, how do I know who you are? She said, I'll be standing on the sidewalk. My name's Mabel. She said, you'll know me. Well, I, 25 after 9, Diane and I rode down to the high-rise apartment on Walton Way right across from the university hospital. I pulled up in that little archway, and there stood a woman with enough dress on for 10 women to wear. She had her sleeves all the way down, and she had one of them Church of God hairdos. You know where they start on Friday, pulling it up on top of their head <laughs> and sticking them and, <laughs> and sticking them bobby pins in it, you know. I mean, popping them bobby pins. She had on them little granny glasses. She is 81. She had a family Bible and she is a looking. I pulled right up to her. I said, you're Mabel. She said, are you the preacher? I was 25, now 26. She said, you're just a kid. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm the preacher. She said, you sounded like you was a lot older. I said, I hate this point you, ma'am, but this is it. I said, you still want to go? She said, oh, yes. And for five and a half years, till she was 86, every service, I picked her up. She never married, never had children, and she claimed me as hers. She would call me. She'd say, you want to eat with me? I'd say, yes, Miss Bird. She said, you bring baby and come on. Diane and I'd go over there and she'd have whole cake, fried cornbread. She's the only woman in town who cooked. She knew what squash was in Greece. She didn't boil the okra. She fried it in, in, in mazola. And I know this is going to come a shock to some of you young girls, but 
She didn't know what Pillsbury biscuits, you know, tear them up, slap them on the thing, and pop them in the thing. No, no, she didn't do none of that. She, 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 she actually made them. You see me after church, I'll give you a rendering of the definition of made them. I'm talking about cat head biscuits. I'm talking about you poke a hole in it and pull syrup in it and the syrup's glad to be eaten. <laughs> Just to get to visit the biscuit. She'd make roast. She had it off. I'd go see her. She'd be dressed just like church. I never seen it another way. She, the preacher was coming. I wasn't much, but she thought I was something, and I kept her fooled. And she, oh, she, I'd go in there, and, and she'd say, "Let's ask the blessing." And she'd get out on the floor by her chair. I'd get out on the floor. Diane get out on the floor, and she'd take me by the hand. And that old woman would pray God down in that okra. She'd weep. I've seen her, I've seen her pray till the biscuits were so cold you could beat them with a hammer and couldn't break them. She'd get out there and she'd get a hold of him and couldn't turn him loose. And it'd always be for me and it'd always be for her. It'd always be for his glory and be for sinners. And honestly... I have looked around to see if he was eating with them. She was dying. I went to the St. Joseph Hospital where she was and her hair was hanging off the end of the bed almost to the floor. Her teeth was in a cup on the table. Eyes sunk back in her head. She was about gone. She was in an oxygen tent. And she seen me outside that tent. She opened her eyes for a brief second to see me. And she said, she wanted me to come in the tent with her. Well, I knew if I raised that tent up that that nurse's station would send Godzilla down there and kill me. <laughs> you, don't, you don't just raise up oxygen tents. And, well, she took a little old bony hand and, and put out the money and grabbed me by the hand. And, and before I knew it, I was up under the tent with her. She had me by the neck and she pulled me down. I'll never forget this. I can feel it when I tell it. She put her arms around my neck and she pulled me close to her. She said, boy, ain't nobody ever loved you no better than me. She said, you've been like a cold drink of water to this old woman. She said, you've preached and I've seen him. You've praised him and I've seen him. She said, if you ever quit or give up or get out, there'll be an old woman in heaven disappointed that you did. And she kissed me on my face. And she said, I love you. She laid back in the bed. Her hands went down by her side and her eyes closed. I went out from under the tent and stepped back up against the wall. 
And the Holy Ghost was so real, he couldn't have been any more real if he'd have been standing in person right there. I slid out of the room and stood up against the wall in the hallway, overtaken with him. They come running down the hallway and went right down to the room where she was and went in. She was gone, dead. They came out and told me that she had passed away. I said, call it what you want to. She just went into the arms of Jesus. A refreshed saint. Why? Just because an old boy who parted hard, who lived what he thought was having fun. And then Jesus took him up out of hell, planted his feet on a solid rock, and established his going. He put a new song in his mouth, even praise and adoration. And the little old woman who never had the intimacy or the love of a husband or the joy and the crown of children was able to have a preacher refresh her. That's why I'm in his hands. I wonder if you would stand straight up out of your seat Come straight to this altar and say, Lord, make me what I ought to be on display. Just, just straight up and right here. In the name of Jesus, you would say, forgive me, help me, take me, make me. I'm coming. Here I come. Here I come. I'm not waiting. I'm not procrastinating. I'm not giving excuse. I'm not about to let the devil have another minute of my life. Come on, come on, teenager. Where you at? Mom, daddy, where you at? Couples, where you at? Grandpa, grandma, where are you? Church member, where are you? Out of the pews, out of the pews. Straight up, stand up like a jack-in-the-box. Jump to the altar. May God Almighty tonight let you by the grace of God come clean with him tonight and to see that you're somebody in the hand of somebody great. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Help us, Lord. How we need thee every hour. God, I pray you'd wash me in the blood tonight. I pray I'd be a handful, Lord. I pray, oh God, I'd be on display. I pray I'd be a shining light. I pray, oh God, I'd be a marvel to the devil. I pray, oh God, I'd be a testimony to the Savior. I pray, oh God, I'd be a light to this world. I pray, oh God, I'd be a witness like never before. Bless these good people. Bless this good preacher. Bless these good preachers. And this church family as well as the rest of them represented. May your glory be on us tonight. And help us to honor you with all of our heart. In Jesus name. In Jesus name.
in Jesus' name. Just stay with me if you're at the altar and pray a minute. Pray for me, please. Pray for the invitation. Pray for sinners. I wonder if there's one anywhere in this house tonight, one, that would say, Preacher, I'm not at that altar. I'm a Christian, but I'm so discouraged. I'm so depleted of, of spiritual energy. I'm so disgusted with myself. I am so absolutely put out with the way things are going in my life. I'm just discouraged. I want you to pray for me, Brother Larry, please. Would you, when you go back to the motel, when you, when you leave the service, and while you're here, I promise you I won't come to you. <laughs>